Hello, and welcome to the Self-Care with Herbs segment of the Elder Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Bosker, naturopath, herbalist, and medicine maker. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Banjalang people, the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, and pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Now, come along and join me each month for beautiful conversations with guests from across the country, exploring ways we can weave plant medicine into our days to enrich our experience of self-care, sharing routines, rituals and recipes for elevating mind, body and spirit. During this episode, I chat with Brenda Rogers, a clinical naturopath and life coach specialising in hormonal transitions, particularly menopause. She's passionate about working with a new generation of strong and empowered women who have something wonderful to offer the world and who know that age does not matter. Brenda gently guides women to reclaim their health and vitality, eliminate discomfort and find self-worth so they can take care of others without compromising on their own dreams and ambitions. During our chat on this episode of the Self Care with Herbs segment of the Elder Tree podcast, Brenda candidly shares her experience with diet culture during her teens and the unhappy self-critical spiral this triggered. We chat about how studying naturopathy in her early 20s took her down a different path and open up a deep and continuing connection to nature, providing a source of healing and allowing her to recognize that witnessing and noticing the cycles of the natural world is a form of medicine. Brenda is currently studying end of life coaching and explains how becoming comfortable with death and the process of dying has emphasized to her the importance of finding a way to be more present and developing an appreciation of the sacred in the everyday. Don't ask her to slow down. We agree, this can be condescending, but finding a way to engage the senses and be present while enjoying everyday moments is essential. Brenda has a lovely way of describing how she tunes into the whispers that sometimes beset us when self-care hasn't been a priority. She talks of a process of sifting and honest reflection and how it's the witnessing of the whispers and what they might be telling her that can be most valuable. I love the wisdom of perspective that Brenda shares when speaking about the barriers to self-care, how youth and ignorance can sometimes be real impediments to investing in ourselves. When we treat symptoms like fatigue, period pain or skin conditions as mere inconveniences, it's often because we don't have the understanding of these symptoms as signs of a deeper wrong. Brenda's passion for nourishing food shines through during our chat. Her connection with the folks who grow her food and her joy at creating wholesome basics like beautiful gelatinous broths. This is food as medicine at its best. And we're lucky to have Brenda share a very special recipe which showcases and preserves what's in season in your garden. Hello and welcome to the Elder Tree Podcast, Brenda. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you. So delightful to be here. Thanks for inviting me. 
It's going to be wonderful. We're going to be chatting about all things self-care today, what that means to you, what things get in the way to prevent you investing in self-care, how it feels when you're investing in it regularly. I know that you have a real passion for food as medicine, so we're going to dive into that. And also I'd love to chat about um, the way that you empower the women that you work with. But before we dive into all of that, I'd really like to go back to the beginning and find out from you where it was, where was that first spark that um, introduced you to plant medicine? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question because we kind of grow up these days with chemist medicine and, you know, mums are programmed really to go to the the pharmacy to pick up something for anything and and I was like that even though my mum was an immigrant and her parents were basically peasants farmers um which I love by the way she was still you know part of that indoctrination I think that you know if, if someone has a headache they take a pill if someone has a cold they take a pill and so it really wasn't until I started studying naturopathy in the in my early 20s, and I'm in my 50s now, that I was opened up to plant anything. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I was I grew up with um, wheat bix for breakfast, and and fortunately, my mum was a great cook, so and had a history, you know, that farmer kind of history. So we would have a veggie patch and so on so so it wasn't until I studied that I really got uh, enlightened about plant medicine and then since then I've discovered uh, and got trained in well homeopathy I was completely passionate about and that's partly plant medicine herbs of course nutrition's all all um not all plants but uh I dabbled in vegetarianism for a while and then moved on from that. Um, and then in also recently studying essential oils as well. So there's the whole full spectrum. But it, it this is a long answer to a short question, Jess, but um, I think what, what opened up for me in terms of your question being introduced to plant medicine was not just how herb this herb for that you know peppermint or peppermint tea for something or don quai for something or you know that's all very nice but it's all very intellectual what i what i value the most is that it's opened up my connection to nature and my love and passion for nature so i've done forest bathing i've done hikes and bushwalking and everything in nature nature is my church and so you know when I when I have anything in my life and right now I'm going through quite a difficult time in my life and there's my mind wants to you know sort it all out and work it all out and have all the answers and there can't be sometimes there can't be answers and it's nature and the plants and the trees and the just sitting there and watching spring open up right now or summer open up right now and noticing that that is the medicine 
That's beautiful, Brenda. I love that studying naturopathy wasn't just a doorway to to health and, and healing, but really inspired that connection to the natural world that may have been missing previously. It definitely was missing previously. I mean, my, my teens, like so many other girls, was horrible. You know, it was the, the dieting and the trying to be skinny and... You know, food was all. Food was the enemy, and it was all about you know whatever you read in the Dolly magazine that you should eat or shouldn't eat this week. And I did all that very well. <laughs> but by the time I got to my early twenties and studying naturopathy, my my relationship to nature was quite dysfunctional. And I think that's got to do with a lot of the dysfunction culturally and for women as well. Women are deeply connected to nature, intrinsically but easily disconnected from that in our teens. And certainly for me, that's where the trouble started. I became unhappy in my teens and took, you know, took, it was a path, it was a deviation in my path towards unhappiness. And, you know, it was a lot of work to get back. And um, so yeah, so so discovering or rediscovering nature in my twenties was profound, and it's deepened and deepened and deepened. And still now, it's even there's even more access to deep spiritual connection to myself and to nature, and I just love that. Mm. I think that's a really beautiful segue into our next question, which I imagine is really interlinked with nature. I'm wondering what it what it is that that self care means to you, Brenda. Well, I'm a Virgo, so we we have highly critical natures, <laughs> and the person that I criticised the most was myself. So there's no peace in that, and I really wanted to transform criticism into critiquing. I knew that that skill was meant to be a, a gift and it wasn't. So self-care was around um, cutting myself some slack. And, you know, when you're driven by perfection and a critical, um, a mi- critical mind, and my pe- my, some, you know, my, some of my upbringing was critical as well which fed into that. So there was this drive for me to be perfect and to be better and to be... Um, and so that that really... I was never at peace. And so self-care is really just the opportunity to stop and slow down. And there are tools for that. So, yeah, some people will say, oh, you know, um, time in nature and, and a cup of herbal tea and that kind of thing. They definitely are, but... the what they're providing is is the is the the opportunity to be present and to I'm writing my book at the moment and I'm just writing the chapter on making life sacred so this is really interesting but I find those little things like like a herbal tea or even a cup of black tea which is one of my favorite things with milk um, the best quality milk you can find um, I, I find that 
just gives me the opportunity to be present and to find the sacred in the present moment. So self-care for me is those moments that I find life sacred and everything that needs to conspire for that to happen, which is usually being present in the present moment. So that could be yoga, that could be going for a walk, that could be just sitting in the sun and feeling the warmth on my skin. It could be a bath, but it's the sensuality of it that really makes it self-care and effectively gets me out of my head and into enjoying, uh, you know, the present moment, which, you know, there's a lot to be grateful for in the present moment. Mm. So it's not so much a particular action or routine. It's more about taking the time to pause and whatever it is that you're doing, being present while you're doing it. Don't get me wrong. I'm also being a Virgo. I love routine and I'm earthy, you know, so it, it's all about routine. Uh, I have rituals in the morning. I have a lot of routine and systems in place. But what, what the, it's what that cup of tea gives me, you know, it's what it, it allows that time to be present and in the moment and that's, so I think self-care practices are those that help us to be pre- in the present moment and mm-hmm. to experience life as sacred and to be grateful and appreciative of the, the opportunity to be alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm studying at the moment, um, I'm actually doing a course in end-of-life coaching or death, becoming a death doula. Not that I really plan to be a death doula, but I decided at this age that I wanted to become comfortable with the concept of death. And uh, what I've recently learned, I'm only just starting it, but what I've recently learned is that death makes us more present. Our, our um, Having a relationship to death, a positive, healthy relationship to our own dying, makes us appreciate life more. And, um, you know, having had a friend recently pass, she died of um, cancer, and I was able to participate somewhat in her dying process. It's it's very profound, and you know one of the things that I learned being a busy, busy doer, doer, driven to, to perfection and to succeed, is that it it's hard to appreciate what you've got. There's always a, okay now I've got that. What's next? Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I hear that concept of slowing down, and I really don't like it, you know. And I think if there's other women out there like me, being told to slow down is like, is like a there, there, darling, you know, pat on the back. And I'm thinking, it, it, it's not that. It's not slow down. It's find some way that allow allows you to be in the present moment. You know, I think about the surfers. I would love to be a surfer, sitting on the waves and watching the sun and feeling the, the the cool water you know that all that sensual activity is very um very helpful in making us become present and in our bodies so embodiment stuff mm. anything that gets you away from constantly thinking about the future and bringing you back to here i am in this moment what am i grateful for yeah yeah exactly 100 percent yeah. In this um, time of transition for you, Brenda, I imagine there's lots of whispers from your body and mind telling you that now is the time to not let those 
moments of presence go. What, what sorts of whispers do you start to hear or feel when you know that that those Virgo tendencies are getting a little bit loud? <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, um, yeah. Well, there's you know there's this kind of um, sifting going on at the moment. This, this review of the, the past and the choices that I've made. And I've kind of done this before. This is not the first time I've had this, tra- this sort of major, uh, you know, I lost a, a pregnancy years ago and it floored me, you know. It took everything out of me and I had this regrouping that had to occur. And grief does that to you. And trauma and so on. Um, and I'm in a similar position at the moment, not quite so dramatic, but last time I remember feeling like an utter failure, like completely, you know, completely failed my life. Every choice that I'd made ended in, in this ruin. And I thought, this is not happening this time. There are choices that I've made that um, have have worked out for a while and then have are no longer serving me and so my perspective this time around is very different i don't um, i don't have that sense of uh, like I have a sense that that my life experiences and my soul are different so there's a there's a the sifting going on of what's real and what's important and what isn't important and I think this is part of the aging process because I'm um, 57 and you know a, a therapist said to me oh this is this is the aging process this is what what happens and I it's quite beautiful actually um, so the whisperings are that. It's it's the witnessing of the whisperings actually that is quite profound, and the assessment of the whisperings. So I hear what you're saying. There's the whisperings of the mind and the whisperings of the body. Um, I I got to a little bit of burnout, and so I've started to relax now because I've changed my circumstances and given myself some time. And I've just. I've just fallen apart a little bit. I've got lower back pain. I've got headaches. I've got all all this going on, and and it's just kind of all releasing out of my body. And because I do, I do think of myself as a body whisperer, as a naturopath, and a and a healer, and a coach, and a yoga teacher. I think of myself as as a body whisperer, and that my job is to interpret symptoms. So those whisperings are symptoms. Lower back pain is often associated with feeling supported or secure. And I definitely don't at the moment, so it's not surprising. <laughs> um, and then a headache, is, a, I think, is a lot of tension, just accumulating tension. And then, of course, that's kind of the, the, the negative side, you know, the, the, I mean that in a kind of photography sense. There's the negative, right? Not necessarily neg- negative, but... Then there's the, the, you know, the what's opening up. There's the, the new, and that hasn't opened up yet. So you can imagine I'm in quite a discomfort. I'm in quite a bit of discomfort and quite a bit of um, 
you know, my mind, I have to manage my mind and so that it doesn't go off. But um, the whisperings are um, what, well, there's the appreciation of what's really important. And I, um, you know, I was lying next to my husband in bed this morning and I, um, I woke up and it wasn't time to get up. So I just snuggled him and you know then it was a little while later and then he snuggled me and um, when I was ready to get up because he stays in bed a bit longer than I did I I leant over and I gave him a kiss and I um, I said I love you and you know that's that's just a real appreciation for that he's one of the most important things for me in my life there's all this stuff all this uncertainty going on and work and money and and home and all this stuff changing but the truly deep rewarding stuff is is the people stuff and family and community and so I I you know I've moved away from my family you know almost 20 years ago and um and that's a longer story which we won't go into but so there's these whisperings going on of um, how do you feel like you belong somewhere, Brenda? Um, you know, how connected are you with your sister um, and your parents while they're still alive? You know, how you know how how much um, how much time do you focus on giving back to those communities that are really important to you? And and so you know, some of them are quite confronting questions that are these whispers of, of, you know, just just a real um, honest reflection on what's going on, you know, and I, and I think that it's a beautiful opportunity to be able to do that despite the discomfort. Mm. Um, and the discomfort is coming out as stress in my body and in, um, you know, some of those things that we're, we're naturally prone to. So, you know, for me, I get nausea and migraines and headaches and, and I kind of, that's my whispering that, you know, relax a bit more, Brenda. Go out into nature, calm down, trust, have faith, um, be present, be present, be present. And so I've been, you know, playing in the garden and, and I've, there's some magpies on the deck that I feed because um, I'm at my dad's house at the moment. And I, I've been feeding the magpies, and you know, there's one, there's one that that eats it all, and there's another one that takes it back to the nest. So just, <laughs> I don't know if this is really answering your question, but um, I love introspection, and I think it's important for uh, you know that examined life that enables us to live a life well well lived. And that's my goal, is to, is to get to whatever age I end at, hopefully not too old, because that can be difficult. But at some point I go, you know what, I've lived a really great life, you know, and I've been through these times where I've, I've um, blamed myself or felt like a failure, but that's led to the next stage, which has been more profound and more fulfilling and more beautiful. Uh, and I do think that that's what health and well-being is about. Ultimately, it's it's spiritual health, emotional and inter- and mental health, as well as physical health. The whole four of them. Mm. 
I love that idea too, Brenda, of actually just observing the whispers rather than being pulled into the whirlpool of all of these different things that are happening in your mind and your body actually going, okay, here they are, this is what's happening, and that kind of brings a sense of peace in itself. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's and that's new for me. Mm-hmm. That wasn't always the case. I think it's something, one of the gifts of, of getting older, and there mm. are many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the things um, that I really like to chat to guests about, and this might be something that you answer on behalf of yourself or maybe even on behalf of the women that you work with, I'm wondering what you feel like are the biggest barriers to self-care. What's getting in the way for either yourself or women that you work with? What are the themes? Mm. Well, there's the obvious, you know, like we're, we're too busy and all the rest of it. Um, but if you go deeper under that, uh, I do think youth is an impediment. I think that when we're young, we can do anything to ourselves and it doesn't really have a huge impact. And we're so unaware. Um, I think we have to cut ourselves some slack. If you're 20-something or 30-something, it's hard. It's just damn hard. And, you know, so one of the... So, you know, you don't have to blame yourself for not doing it. It's like you're young, you're busy, you're, you know... I mean, it does... It's a shame that women, us women have to be exhausted... And at the end of our rope, before we really contemplate self-care, and that is that is you know fairly typical. Um, I do think the other barrier. So I, I think youth is a barrier, and I you know I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that it gets easier as you get older. Um, it becomes more important, and your body reflects it more. You know, depending on how well you've looked after yourself, that could happen in your thirties. If you've if you've abused yourself since you were a teenager then you could you could collapse a bit in your 30s and that's a lot often how the the clients that come to us right are the ones who've like lost their way in terms of self-care to me every symptom is an indicator of losing your way Mm -hmm. um i think another impediment to self-care is ignorance and people just don't even know They, they don't know what they're not doing They don't know that their body's telling them, you know, that they're, that a symptom means that something's not right rather than, you know, an inconvenience. Like we view conditions in fatigue and skin conditions and bowel conditions and headaches and we view them all as just an inconvenience, period, pain, but they all mean something. And so, you know, a common culture of just, take a pill for a very for every ill really is um, an impediment to self-care because the consequence is no longer there um, and if women were more aware and I think this is the beautiful thing about your podcast and education of any kind in the space of health and healing is the opportunity to teach women you know, it's like, you know, getting up and needing a coffee before you can even speak is not normal. And, um, you know, being there for everyone else except yourself 
till 10 o'clock at night and then finally having an hour to yourself and then getting to bed so late that you, you don't get enough sleep. Like, that's not normal. Um, but then we don't live in a normal culture either, you know. There used to be a village to raise a, raise a child and, you know, the way that we live in separate houses and we all have our separate motors, um, lawnmowers and separate washing machines and all of those things used to be community things. And the sister-in-law who didn't have any children herself, she would, she would help out. And the, the aunts and the grandmothers, they would help out. So I think that ignorance of all of that is uh, an impediment because we don't know what's possible. And so we don't ask and we don't create and we just soldier on and that's not fair. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, I'm very familiar now having studied a lot around menopause, the, um, the patriarchal culture that we live in and the, not that it necessarily needs to be bad, you know, or judged, but there is a, a paradigm in a patriarchal culture that is about doing and, you know, the, the masculine or, the, or the, the yang, if you like, is active and doing. It's the day, not the night. It's the sun, not the moon. And we live in this, this normal, it's normal for us that doing is a sense of, gives you a sense of achievement. Doing is a, a dopamine hit in the brain. Um, doing is addictive. Doing sometimes is how we feel productive and purposeful and important certainly that was the case for me and that's what I'm struggling with at the moment with this pause that's going on it's like I should be doing something <laughs> I should be I should be and, and it's like I'll get up and I'll clean something or I'll cook something or or I'll get on the computer and check my something or other and um, you know I've had the opportunity to sit out in the sun and just sit there and contemplate the idea of doing nothing and who am I being right now? Mm. And who do I want to be? And, oh, I can choose to be. I can choose to be uplifted and grateful right now. Or I could choose to be miserable. That's the beauty of being present, right? You get to know that you have a choice with who you're being. And then it's the be, do, have. Who, what you do comes from who you're being. And what you have comes from what you're doing. And so there's this, there's this um, process. You get to choose to be different if you want it to be different. Um, And so not understanding any of that, not having any spiritual understanding. For me, I didn't grow up with any spiritual knowledge of, you know, going to church or anything like that. My mother had had a bad experience with the church, and so we we were very secular. And then later, you know, in my life, I felt that greatly missing. And it's really been my um, my spiritual development that has given me the capacity for self-care um and i think you know if you're a very healthy happy christian or buddhist or hindu or whatever then then self-care can come through you know communion with the divine and that's missing for a lot of people and I, i you know i find that beautiful connection um to be greatly nourishing to the soul. Um, the other thing that I think is a barrier to 
to self-care is junk food and commercialization of the food industry. So, you know, we treat ourselves with, with sweet, sugary things, which upsets the gut bacteria, which upsets the brain function and the mood and, the, and everything else. And so, you know, I, I'm a passionate advocate for home-cooked meals, wholesome food, you know, the veggies and, 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 you know, chicken from the chicken farmer and beef from the beef farmer. I, I've discovered here where I've moved to the, 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 the markets and I've been along twice now and there's the, the chicken farmer where the chi- with the chicken feet, which I absolutely love because when I make a broth, it makes the most divine, you know, jelly-like, beautiful broth. So when I make anything with that, so I'm making p- pumpkin soup, for example. Then I put this beautiful liquid protein in there, and I know that I'm not just getting a you know a carbohydrate hit. I'm getting a protein hit as well. Um, but there's the then there was the the, the meat um, the guy that was selling the lamb and the beef, and there were these marrow bones, and so I I bought these marrow bones, and they were uh, and baked them in the oven, and oh my gosh, I don't know if you've ever tried marrow. Uh, from the from the marrow bone, um, but it's it's there's something divine about it. It's just so unique. And then of course there were the apples. The apples were four dollars a kilo, and they were like they were fresh off the tree. And when I was buying my supermarket apples, they never tasted like that. So I bought for one a day, right? One a day keeps the doctor away. And similarly, uh, mind you, I bought some onions, and they were a bit sad. So you know, it's not everything there, but. Um, um, you know, access to good food and understanding how to make nourishing meals is a huge barrier for a lot of families. And a lot of women don't give their families those foods. And I'm being stereotypical here. Yes, it's usually the woman. And I love the, the, the duty of being the, the cook in my family. I love it. It's a sacred duty to me. And I do my best not to feed anyone. Um, I mean, you can't be perfect. And, you know, me being Virgo, I'm trying to be perfect. But I'll use a, um, you know, a green curry paste that's already made. and Or I'll use, you know, the, the, the yoga, yogurt. Um, start. I, I make my own yogurt with the Easy Yo yogurt maker. So I'll buy those packets just to make it easier and quicker. But overall, we have beautiful, nourishing food. And I think, um, you know, if I could teach way more women how to do that, I think that would be my purpose in life and I would be, I would die happy. (laughs) So there's a few barriers to self-care. I I think, um, Brenda, a lot of what you've just spoken about comes from the world that we live in right now. A lot Mm -hmm. of those barriers are part of people's everyday you know the fact that we're forced to live in a society where women are expected to be able to function like men you know there's no consideration of our cyclical nature or the fact that mothers need more than six weeks to recover from birth or that menopause is a huge transition and that there needs to be you know um, practices that help support that and I agree that the easiest way to eat for most people in our society is 
junk food. You know, that's that's what is available. It's addictive. And so that's a huge barrier. Mm. And it takes a conscious effort to step outside of that. Well, you know, it is, it is an effort. It is hard work. But it's so worth it. Mm. So, so worth it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I agree. I think that you can prevent Alzheimer's disease, diabetes. Um, I, I, I know my my goal is to, and I talked about this a bit, and I think because death is on my mind because I'm doing this this course at the moment. But you know, f- the most beautiful way to end your life is is to become frail and vun- vulnerable, and and dependent. On, on a family that's willing to support you and to die naturally. Uh, I mean, I don't really want to be a vegetable for eight years and then end up in an emergency ward and on life support and, and I don't want to die like that. So um, that means understanding what contributes to that in the first place and it has a lot to do with food. And so we make, we make a huge choice when we choose I mean, it's not always junk food. A lot of people say, oh, no, I don't eat junk food, but then I'll eat breakfast, breakfast cereal, which in my mind is junk food. If you think about Cocoa Pops, is, you know, or I'm not sure if I should mention brand names, but, um, you know, flavoured rice puffs <laughs> and anything like that, to me that's junk food. And, and you know, it's not to judge, it's not to... It's not to um, you know, make people feel bad about themselves because they're doing that or eating that or giving their kids that. But there's a consequence and we're not getting it. We're not hearing that. We're not having those honest, straight conversations with women saying, yes, maybe you're working and earning more money outside of the home, but at what cost? And is that something you really want to be doing? And could you eat a little bit more simply or, or live a little bit more simply, a bit further out from the city and, and have all these things and work outside the home. You know, like, it's, it's just we're all on this conveyor belt. And, you know, it, it's, it's that, that automaticness that is the biggest barrier to self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We spoke a little bit earlier about how you love to weave routines and rituals into your day. And I'd love to explore that a little bit further. What sorts of things are happening in your day, Brenda, that that um, emphasises that sense of self-care, whether that be with food as medicine and integrating herbs in that way or herbs themselves? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just taking a sip of my cold herbal tea as you were asking that question. And one of the rituals that I've made is that I've cut my fluid intake into two halves. So I was drinking two and a half litres a day on a regular basis. That's a ritual. Um, And I've cut it in half so that now it's half water and half herbal tea. And that might be hot herbal tea, warm or cold herbal tea. What I've found is that I've immediately stopped having to get up to the bathroom so much uh, overnight there's something like the fluid retains itself in my body more somehow. Um, and so, you know, 
I love to have a cup of black tea with milk um, every day and every uh, actually I'm, at the moment it's chai because I, I make my own chai which is the culinary herbs right which and spices which I absolutely adore um, but my morning ritual it's a little bit out of whack at the moment because we've moved and I'm not in my own home and there's a whole lot of stuff going on in my heart and hot and head but um, I have an, an app that I listen to to do some meditation and then ideally spend time outside in nature or exercising so the plant medicine is the is the forest bathing or bush bathing I call it um, the you know the effect of melatonin from the sun and the on the on through the eyes and the because a good and a good night's sleep starts in the morning right it starts with what we we do in the morning um, I don't have breakfast because I'm um, I'm postmenopausal and I only need two meals a day and I really wanted to maintain my weight so I decided to do two meals a day so I don't really eat till late morning and and have an apple um, and then speaking of the culinary herbs they're in everything that I make pretty much so if I make um, if I make a salad I might cut some sage leaves or some thyme leaves or some mint leaves or rocket leaves or something um, and throw that in and you know sage is a beautiful estrogenic herb and brain herb it's very good for um, healthy brain and uh, and so I, I think I feel like I'm doing something for my longevity uh, with every meal and then of course um, we have growing in the garden here spinach and so I thought, oh my gosh, I'll make something with spinach. So and I'll get all the spinach recipes out. And then spinach is, it's actually um, not spinach, it's actually, um, what's the other one? Chard or silver beet? No, yeah, silver beet. It's yeah. silver beet. It's fairly bland. And so you need lots of herbs in there. So um, my absolute favourite herb is probably basil and basil pesto and anything with basil, like green curry chicken and oh, you know, basil's just divine food of the gods. Um, but I love making pesto. I've made pesto with sage. That's amazing. And, you know, if you have sage, um, you can have that with um, with a meat dish, um, a suitable meat dish. And similarly with mint, if you have lamb, it might have a mint pesto. Um, and these these just seem like, oh, herbs, you know, herbal tea but if you study peppermint or if you study sage they've got enormous health benefits they're full of essential oils they're antimicrobial they're amazing for the immune system and here we are all worried about little viruses and little bacteria in our gut and all that kind of thing well eat culinary herbs they're amazing and um, you know that extends out to garlic or garlic you know, fermented garlic or black garlic or garlic garlic um, shoots Scapes, or yeah. what are they called? Scapes. Scapes, yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you're starting to make, you're starting to think of food as medicine and that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful concept because to me food as medicine is the most flavourful. And I think that is because it's a it's part of the survival 
mechanism of the universe. We are designed, we have a survival instinct and I think everything is, there's a survival MO in the, in, in, in the universe. You know, every, everything's programmed for survival. We have a survival instinct and we have these survival base, um, baseline things that are occurring in our body. And it makes sense for our survival that the most nourishing and delicious and supportive, medically supportive foods taste the greatest. And so if you're eating food that's bland, then it's not medicine. So, you know, the most nourishing foods, you know, like a chicken noodle soup made with real broth or, um, you know, those foods, those comfort foods that we think of as our grandmother, what our grandmother made us, not just cakes and cookies and, and breads and things, but the real deep like bolognese or, or um, slow cooker meals or these kinds of things. They, they're rich in nutrients and, and nourishment and heart and soul medicine as well. So I've forgotten your question now. The rituals and routines that you <laughs> weave into your day and, and food is a really big part of it, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm big on the essential oils as well. So I have a, a very large selection. In fact, right beside me here, I have a large selection of herbs in bottles, herbal extracts, and a large selection of um, essential oils. And I use essential oils to clean my floors. So I'll use eucalyptus oil as my cleaning um, solvent. And so mopping the floor becomes a ritual and I'll use um, essential oils daily as perfume. I don't use chemical perfumes. I don't use chemical products at all. My self-care products, my personal care products are um, you know, largely um, essential oil-based or chemical-free or properly green, not just mm. fake green, but properly green. And sometimes it's just, um, you know... Vinegar, <laughs> vinegar, or or carb soda, or something like that to to, to do things with cleaning things often. Um, and so I do find the essential oils very comforting, and I also um, love that they have a spiritual connection as well. So you know they're they're in the Bible. They're they've been used for throughout history for ritual. Um, and making anything sacred. So, you know, we have a, a, a heater here, wood fire, and it's got a little bowl of water next to it. So I put essential oils into that. So clove oil or something like that just to purify. Um, I, I use a lot of frankincense because I love, I have my own facial serum that, I'm, that, I, that I've made. Um, I don't really use cream so much. I use this facial serum based on some jojoba oil or rosehip oil or, or it's different each time I make it, slightly different. But I'll put um, frankincense oil and myrrh and, and various other things in that are anti-aging or, or you know, protective of the skin and, and soften the skin and so on. So, so putting my, my skin on, my, my moisturiser on, is a ritual that is, involves inhaling something that helps me be present so yeah I I for a long time I've had the mantra make life sacred 
And that could mean lighting a candle at dinner. Um, ideally, a rose, a rose um, beeswax candle or something that isn't toxic. <laughs> uh, it could be putting your moisturiser on. You know, and even if you're so busy, you don't have time to do anything, you know, getting a, a rose-scented shampoo and conditioner can be self-care, it can be a ritual. Um, so once you know it's possible, that's the mm-hmm. thing that's missing so often, once you mm-hmm. know it's possible. And that's the beautiful thing about seeing clients is you can, you can share that with them. You can say, well, why don't you try this? Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, I never thought of that. And then, and then you know, gradually bring ritual and sacredness into mm-hmm. everyday, everyday life. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I love that, Brenda. I love the idea of the things that we're doing every day having that cumulative effect, you know, from whether that be, you know, buying those beautiful things from the farmer's market, you know, using culinary herbs in our food. If we're doing those small things every day, you know, finding sacred moments, whether that be lighting a candle or using all of our senses when we're cleaning or putting on our, you know, our moisturiser, we're doing those things every day and so they have such a beautiful cumulative effect on our overall health a hundred percent and the 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 mantra other than make life sacred that i can offer to your listeners that help me with that is the if you don't love it concept so if you don't love it and then it's like there's a hundred things right don't buy it don't Mm. keep it don't eat it don't use it don't hold on to it don't wear it you know your wardrobe if you don't love it don't wear it and so what happens if you adopt that mantra gradually you have this life that you love that you fully love that you open your wardrobe and it's like oh my gosh these are such beautiful clothes i love them and there's this sacred moment Mm. and you probably spend less money as well. <laughs> and I've been reading a lot of research lately about what clutter does to the brain and our nervous system. So that plays into that as well. If if you're not if you get letting go of all of those things that don't you don't love, there's much less clutter, there's much less pressure on the nervous system and that brings a sense of calm into beautifully said thank you Mm. Brenda when we were chatting before we started recording you spoke to me about how much you love pesto Uh and I was wondering if that was still the recipe that you wanted to share with the listeners in terms of a beautiful recipe yes well I I I had potentially two recipes I'm I'm happy to (laughs) for those who are the essential oil people out there I'm happy to share my facial serum recipe Beautiful. which I'll have to write up because I think I just do it off the top of my head. But yeah. um, but my other passion is green sauces, salsa yeah. verdes. Yes. And pesto is one example of those. Uh, and pesto is a very, the original pesto is from this very unique region in Italy and it's a very unique recipe and it's kind of expanded out to kale and sage and mint and, you know, all the rest of it. But I think we've we've kind of adopted the name to be green sauce, like salsa verde. Um, but then there's chimichurris and various others, and they, you know, I mean, there's a million of them online. But I will share my favourite um, 
my favourite one with your audience. And mm. I'm just thinking which one that would be. Probably a, a Basil one, but then you can find those quite easily. Um, so I might pick a different one. I might pick my Sage one and do it. Yeah. Do you want to just talk us through, um, while we're here, kind of the process that you go through when you're, when you're making a pesto? Not necessarily like a particular flavour or whatever, but sort of the general idea of how you pull it together? It usually starts with having too much of something in the garden. And, you know, if anyone's grown sage, it just, it's like it's wild, right? Um, And parsley um, or the basil, I always plant, in the spring, always plant basil plants because we love pesto pasta or pesto chicken or pesto dollops on pizza and everything. Um, I don't tend to buy the amount of, because I like to buy bulk and then freeze it. I like to make bulk and then freeze it. So it's it's one of those kitchen goddess things, because uh, I call myself kitchen goddess and I like to teach other people how to be, be a kitchen goddess. But it's, it's, you know, when you've got too much of something in the garden, obviously you make as much as you can with what you've got and then you give it away, right? Um, and so my pesto concept comes from that sense of community and that sense of wanting to share and wanting to, wanting, um, wanting to honor nature by not letting everything in the garden go to waste. Um, and I love growing culinary herbs. They're, they're pretty easy. A lot of them are, you know, the less you do to them, the more they flourish. And so they're fairly idiot proof. Um, and there's others that aren't but um, like coriander is really difficult I usually never bother with coriander anymore Um, but the mints lemon balm I haven't actually tried a lemon balm salsa or um, pesto but I probably could Um, so that's that's kind of it it comes with that inventory management concept that kitchen goddesses have you know we we've got a whole stack of stuff left in the fridge let's make up a minestrone soup or there's things in the free, in the in the pantry that need using up you know white beans or black beans or a tin of something and you think oh what what will I make up with that um, and it's the same for the pesto because the you know the, the the other ingredients are fairly standard you know it's it might be some parmesan cheese some olive oil some pine nuts or some kind of nut and some oil. And, um, I mean, there's tons and tons of variations on that theme, but they're fairly standard. Uh, you know, if you want a salsa verde, it might have capers and anchovies and that kind of thing in it. But they tend to be really, um, pu- you know, punchy in flavour. So I think I've been zinc deficient all my life. So I, I like over-flavoured things. And so, um, you know, some people like bland things, but most of us like the real, you know, wanted to pack a punch of flavour. And so um, so that's how I do that. And then I freeze it in little, little containers. Um, and, you know, you can have it as a dip. You can have it as spread it on toast. We tend to not eat so much grain or bread anymore, so we don't do the dip thing and we don't snack because we eat very nourishing foods and you tend to not need to snack. But putting it, um, finding ways to put it on a piece of meat or, you know, in a salad, 
um, is is great fun. It's experimental. Mm. So it's a beautiful way of preserving what's available in the garden and a fantastic way of adding not only a flavour punch but also a huge nutritional benefit to whatever meal you're having. Yeah, perfect summary. And mm. I have heard of people, you know, the salsa with the tomato salsa and onions, that like the, the Mexican salsa. I've heard of people fermenting that. So, you know, in terms of preserving... Um, we're using the freezer, but I wonder if people would uh, would would you know, potentially preserve those things. Perhaps not in that kind of recipe, but there is the mm. potential to preserve some of those herbs as fermented mm. sources as well. So, um, yeah, yeah lots of fun another in the way kitchen. Of, another way of making the most of whatever produce is in season. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah, there's more than enough for everyone. Yeah, we're coming towards the end of our chat, Brenda, but I've got one more question for you. And I think you may have answered it, but I'm not going to guess. What plant do you have the deepest connection with and why would that be? Oh, well, um, basil is my um, culinary, uh, you know, partner. My marriage made in culinary heaven. Um, I think my essential oil favourite would have to be frankincense. Um, my favourite herb at the moment are the um, the liver herbs. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm using Chelidonium, um, St John's Wort, and dandelion. Not yeah, Saint, not St John's Wort. St Mary's thistle. I'm using St John's Wort as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so and why? Um, I do believe in, in plant whispering and that, you know, there's a little bit of communication between the two of us and that they are what I need right now. Ask me in a year's time, it might be different. Um, but I do believe there's a much more profound and powerful connection with nature than we are aware of, that we've dreamed of and that there's something about those favourites that support me in my growth and development and happiness and joy right now. Mm, That's a beautiful answer, Brenda. Thank you. And thank you so much. This has been a really enlightening chat. I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing those recipes that you spoke about in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on and having a chat. Thank you and thank you to your audience. And um, I wish everyone... Um, plant medicine heaven thanks Brenda (laughs) I'm so glad you tuned into this episode of self-care with herbs a segment of the elder tree podcast the elder tree is a non-profit dedicated to putting the medicine in the hands of the people through grassroots herbal education and earth skills weaving a strong community of herbalists healers and plant folk in Australia If you'd like to dive a little deeper, you can head over to our Patreon, The Elder Tree Trove, to access special content from our podcast guests. I hope you found something in this episode that has inspired you to begin to lean into those plant allies and to experience your practice of self-care blossoming and blooming. I look forward to sharing more ways you can weave plant medicine into your days next month.